Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and it has been a very silent week. It's been a very silent, no, no, just over a week, because Wednesday was that massive news drop last week. We covered it all on last Thursday's episode. So in about a week, it's been radio silence from anything Pittsburgh Penguins. Not much coming out in the way of news. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to do our patented 3M segment where we look at must sign, maybe sign, and move on for all of the restricted and unrestricted free agents for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Horwat, before we get into that, does it make you nervous that it's it's radio silent on the Penguins? Or are you just expecting this because that's usually what happens from the time you get eliminated till the time the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs comes? It's the way it goes. It's all of the players, all of the general managers, and all of the uh, other front office people just needing a break. Hey, the season's over. Let's let, Before everything picks back up in free agency, before more trade talks need to happen, let's just take our vacations now. Yeah. It is the one bonus of being on a team that loses early. You get a little bit extra time to kind of have to yourself. Just relax. Vacation. Maybe spend some of that bazillion dollars that you just made uh, <laughs> to go to a beach somewhere. Go to Europe somewhere. Go home. Visit your family because these guys travel. Like It's it's just a relaxing time. It's We got the rust signing in. Mm-hmm. It was necessary. And I'm sure these contract negotiations are still happening within the within but again it's just the the early off season at least has its benefits for the players management and and crew within the organization Mm -hmm. and it is an evaluation period above all i mean i'm I'm sure the ron hextall brian burke those guys they're not taking a vacation right now it is an evaluation period where they're talking with their scouts where they're talking with probably the ownership group trying to figure out a plan of action for the upcoming off season for the players and for journalists and for fans this is kind of a break period you just sit back watch the rest of the hockey and not expect much to happen the rust deal was was nice it was nice to get that out of the way and have a little discussion about that for the first week and a half of the offseason but with a little bit of time off it lets us look at these guys it lets us really dive deeply into what we saw last season and what we're expecting to see next season and part of that is all the players that were on the Penguins and their contract is up. Let's start with somebody that hasn't really done anything as a Pittsburgh Penguin, and because he hasn't. Uh, he's practiced a few times, and that's it, and that's Nathan Beaulieu. Brought over at the NHL trade deadline, he is an unrestricted free agent. Horwat, what do you do with Nathan Beaulieu? Must sign, maybe sign, or move on. Let's kick it off there. Oh, yeah, there's an easy one. Move on, because was he ever really on the team? He got here, got in the team photo, and was healthy scratched for the, for the remainder, so... Mm-hmm. No harm, no foul. We still have the draft pick. Uh, quite literally, we took on a contract for five games. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I get the point. You you needed to have a little bit more defensive depth. That's never a bad thing. But again, Matt, much res- much disrespect, I should say, to Yuso Rikula in that entire instance. But I agree with you. You got to move on from Nathan Bull. You don't have to move on. I don't know why I said it like that. But like, why are you bringing him back? You look at the defense core, there are currently six defensemen signed to the Pittsburgh Penguins at the NHL level. Then you add on a guy like P.O. Joseph. Then you add on a couple other guys like Taylor Fadoon and players like that. There's no need to bring back a guy like Nathan Beaulieu. There's much more business to attend to. And a guy that's going to take up an NHL roster spot and NHL salary cap space, you don't need to bring that back when there's so much else going on. Yeah, even just looking at the numbers, it's I don't think he'd be all that worth it re-signing his contract for. Uh, what was he even? <clears throat> me, what was he even making last year? Do we know that number? Uh, it was. Let me pull it up really. One point two five. Yeah, yeah. You I, know, think like, it was I don't hate like that. that number, but at the same time, it's just looking at the statistical numbers. There's just nothing special there. There's nothing standoutish to be like, yeah, this guy's worth giving another year to and giving a shot to. It's just a. It was a non-move, really. I mean, we made him travel. We made him get in the pictures and. That was really about it. Yeah, I would be very surprised if he ends up getting a contract because, I mean, like we said, five, there's six guys, not even five, six guys already signed to the defense. 
Obviously, they're talking with Chris Letang to make it seven. P.O. Joseph makes it eight. So you're really going to put a priority on a ninth defenseman that realistically is not that great to begin with. I mean, I, I really don't understand that if they do. But and look into the numbers. He's never played a full season. He's played parts of 10 years, which is respectable. Don't get me wrong. But mm -hmm. I'm not seeing anywhere in here a number reach a 70. His career high in a single season for games played to 64. And those are early in his career with Montreal. So... Oh, no, there's a 74 in there. But still, it's very rare that he does it, very seldom, and it's just not – he plays half the season. Yeah, and part of that is not just injury. It's part of that is because he's literally a fringe NHL player at this point. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, we're both moving on from Nathan Beaulieu, so let's move on in the conversation as well and talk about Brian Boyle, a guy that came into the Pittsburgh Penguins last year on a PTO originally, then due to the injuries of Sidney Crosby – and of Genny Malkin, he found himself with a roster spot and held on to that roster spot the entire season. Played a lot more than we all expected. Played a pivotal role on the Penguins' top penalty kill unit throughout the regular season. And at the end of the day, he did get injured. He was taken out of the playoffs. He did have to get surgery. What are we doing with Brian Boyle, an aging forward veteran that is coming off of an injury heading into the next offseason? I mean, odds are he's making his own decision and retiring. Mm -hmm. that's just kind of the vibe i get like yeah he's 37 gonna be 38 and could still have a year or two left in him just because nhl players usually go to about 38 uh, 39 mm -hmm. um but he's got the hard miles so there's subtracting yeah. a couple years he's already a couple years past his due date it seems but and there's nothing wrong with that um i do think it's his own decision this summer i'd say he's just retiring but regardless i'd say it's a move on from just because um I mean, you were here on a PTO. You weren't expected to play 66 games, but you did. You played great. Don't get don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved watching him play because it was just mm -hmm. fun. Big guys playing hockey is hysterical sometimes. And I can remember watching early on <clears throat> that really early, uh, like, voluntary skate he, he had with the guys. People, The guys loved him then. Mm -hmm. um, he was a good locker room guy all around. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the time is up for him here. Time is up probably on his career, which – you know, again, respectable career. We talked about Boyu's games played. 871 and over 14 seasons for Brian Boyle. Um, and a Masterton Award under his belt. I'd say mm -hmm. he's done plenty uh, in the league. Sure, he didn't get the big the big one, but yeah. not many people do. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say his time's just up. That's all. It's retirement time, I'd say. Yeah, looking at Brian Boyle, he was also a Masterton nominee this year for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And when you talked about his signing when we both talked about his signing at the beginning of the season we said okay this is a stopgap till we get guys healthy I don't think either of us expected 66 games played from Brian Boyle and he was in the playoff starting lineup and yes while he did get injured yes while he did look like he was a step slower than the New York Rangers so did everybody else in this postseason it seems like so 11 goals 21 points in 66 games played you cannot ask for more from a fourth-line center. I mean, this guy has played center. He played wing on the fourth line. He was the healthy scratch when need be, but he was also a great penalty killer for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and as you mentioned, a fantastic locker room guy. If they could keep him around the, the organization, I don't know what his plans are after career, but if they keep him around the organization, say like a Jason Spezza assistant to the regional manager position that he just got after leaving the Toronto Maple Leafs as a player... I wouldn't hate it at all, but I do think they move on from Brian Boyle because I do think heading into the last couple of years of Crosby's career, what we presume to be the last couple of years with three years left on his contract, I think the move is not to continue to re-sign older guys. It's to bring up the younger guys or to sign younger guys and try to get a little bit more of that foot speed because as you look at the final four that the NHL has right now, I know things are, are flowing. I know it's always a copycat league. But if you look at the final four right now, what is it? It is speed and scoring. And while Brian Boyle does have the scoring, I mean, look at the in-between-the-legs goal he scored this year. I'm not saying he's not skilled, but you need that speed aspect as well. Uh, the one thing that I do like from him is that he was a penalty killer. But realistically, you can find that in a guy like Drew O'Connor that'll do that. Might not necessarily have the goal scoring right away that Brian Boyle did, but it's somebody that I would rather see in that position come next season. So I'm moving on from Brian Boyle. Yeah, that's just the easy move. So let's talk about some more difficult moves because I feel like both of us were easily going to say move on from Bowie and Boyle. Let's talk about Danton Heinen. He came in on a one-year prove-it deal last season after a couple bad years playing for the Anaheim Ducks. Heinen came in, scored 15 
even strength goals this year, not to mention a couple other ones to tack on as well as a preliminarily bottom six forward. There were times where he was playing five minutes a night. That was like a week long stretch where he was in the doghouse, yet he was able to still go out there, get his feet back underneath him and start producing again. And by the end of the season and by the playoffs, he was producing very well for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously the main goal being in what was game three for the Penguins after they had just given up the three goal lead to make it four to four. He scores the game winner. It's making it five to four. So I really like Danton Heinen. As soon as the season ended, it's I said that I would like to see him back. I'm staying on that train. I'm saying you must sign Danton Heinen because depth forwards are at a premium when they can score at this level. He's a guy that he can play in the top six. I don't think you're at your best power if that's a top six forward, but if he is a bottom six guy, you are, are just in a great position. He is the best, best depth player that the Penguins had this year. The only thing that I have questions with is the fact that he didn't play any special teams this year. I wouldn't expect that he's a penalty-killing type guy, but maybe power play too if you bring him back next season. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. 100% completely agree. He, I said before the season, <clears throat> he strikes me as a guy that could turn into a Pascal Dupuis type. He's not going to be your standout player. Uh, he's really not. He really shouldn't be playing in the top six, but if he does, he's going to do just fine. Not great, not standoutish, but fine. But he's the bottom six player that you want to see stick around for sure it just looking at the numbers alone it's a good season for a bottom six guy like i said a depth piece but the thing that drove the penguins to uh, the cup finals two years in a row was the depth pieces that were getting called up now he's not a call up per se but he's an important bottom six forward that contributes a whole hell of a lot even if he was in the doghouse for a little bit hey you know what it it helped mm-hmm. this coach the coaching method helped so good on Mike Sullivan for getting something more out of a guy that needed to show a little more and good for Danton Heinen for showing he still had it and could still stick around and deserves to stay here for let's say a couple more seasons Mm -hmm. yeah I would not mind if he got a a multi-year deal I know last year we had the two big signings in the offseason were Danton Heinen to a one-year contract and Brock McGinn to I believe it was a three-year deal and we said okay that's cool looking back on it I think I'd rather have had it switched to be completely honest, and not just because Brock begins final play ended up being what led to the end of the Pittsburgh Penguins season, taking that penalty, but just because of the production that Dayton Heinen was able to have in that season as his first year coming back to Pittsburgh, first year in that system, I would love to see him be able to build on. And like I said, give him more opportunities, get him on that second power play unit, get him a little bit more playing time. Cause if you look at his time on ice, it was not nearly what you would expect from a guy that ended up being a 15 to 20 goal scorer and doing a lot of his work at five on five. So when I look at him, he's also only 26 and he's a restricted free agent. So the Penguins do hold his rights. They will have to extend him at least a qualifying offer. I'd like to see him get signed for maybe two, potentially three years. I would think the two is probably what the Penguins are looking for. Yeah, just I would say two as well, just because that three year, I mean, that's when McGinn is also up. He has three years left now. Mm-hmm. Um, that Because that, we talked about it last episode, that three-year number. Mm-hmm. It's going to be big for the Penguins, I, and I just don't know if we want Heinen to be, not not that we don't want to be part of that conversation, but there could be bigger fish to fry in three years yeah. uh, than worrying about what Danton Heinen's going to do with the rest of his career. Well, here's the thing, and I thought about this yesterday for some reason. I was like, well, last year, the only player to get more than a one-year deal was Brock McGinn. It was a lot of, you know, I mean, Brian Boyle came in a PTO and signed a one-year deal. Heinen signed a one-year deal. Rodriguez signed a one-year deal. Uh, who else? I, I don't even remember who else was there, but a lot of players signed a one-year deal. Uh, Zahorno signed a two-year deal, but I was like, okay, they're really just trying to put together a team, but not really look too far into the future. Put together a team that can compete and that can help Crosby and Malkin and Latang potentially go on a run, but not really make a commitment to that many players they might do that again this season they might say hey we're gonna sign a bunch of players to one year because next year guess what we get 10 million dollars off the salary cap once again and that's in two players and one buyout clause because jack johnson's buyout drops a million dollars in the cap hit jason zucker his five and a half million dollars comes off the cap and so does brian dumoulin's now a lot of people are saying one of those two guys could get traded this offseason potentially But if they don't, that number still comes off the cap, and that's over $10 million. So if you just buy yourself one season, and we think that we have a lot of cap space for the Pittsburgh Penguins this offseason, 
next offseason is going to just get that much more. So we could see a lot of one-year deals here, and I could potentially believe that Dayton Heinen does that once again if he liked being in Pittsburgh so much and if he thinks that's where his game is at its best. And that could, I believe, walk him straight into unrestricted free agency. So it might be advantageous for Heinen to sign a one-year deal. And if that's the case, that makes my must-sign with like a very big stamp of approval. Absolutely. And I think he said himself, if I'm remembering correctly at least, that he thinks his game excelled here. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to say where your game excels because you want to give yourself the best opportunity to be a great player, to gain more money in the po- in the future, possibly. Like, sure, yeah. it, you might not be able to sign the biggest deal right now because it was just off of a one-year, see-what-you-can-do uh, type uh, contract. But you've earned the, uh, the option of another couple seasons to prove it again and start growing your paydays. Let's say it's a two-year deal, all right? Two years down the line, Let's, however you performed over those last two seasons, cash out. That's mm-hmm. your cash out time. Yeah. We look at, um, I'm trying to think of anyone around the league who's at their cash out time. I mean, for what it's worth. Philip Forsberg. Forsberg. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau. My God. Yeah. My, Johnny Gaudreau is ready to cash the hell out. That's going to be an 11 year, 11 million dollar, 11 year. That's impossible. Uh, $11 million contract. Absolutely. No matter where it goes, it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, he he hit that career high, those career highs at the absolute correct time, and yeah. it doesn't look like Calgary cares to have him stick around. So I'm not saying Heinen's that kind of level, but he's a hit, he's about to be at his cash out time. Mm-hmm. So let him play his ass off here. Let him cash out. Yep. Let's move over to Kasperi Kapanen because this is a really interesting ta- discussion. Because I mean, you you look at Kasperi Kapanen. He is, how old is he? Look, uh, 26. 20, he's Five. 25 right now. He's 25 years old, going to be a restricted free agent. His qualifying offer is only like $875,000. I highly doubt he would accept that, but he's going to have to take a pay deduction after the season he just had. Because realistically, if he does sign that 875, you do it in a heartbeat. But if he wants something close to what he was just making in the deal that he signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's not going to happen. Now, what I actually say is maybe you sign him because, let's be honest, there is no way that he plays as bad as he did in the regular season this year. There's no way he can duplicate that bad of a performance. Secondly, he played pretty well in the postseason on the second line of Evgen- with Ev- Evgeny Malkin. He started to pick his game back up. Now, I understand that he's not going to have that level throughout the regular season because it's the playoffs. It's a shorter sample size. You know that you have to go balls to the wall to get the best deal possible but I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was last year. So maybe you sign him. In my opinion, it is $2 million or under. If that number goes over that, you'd let him walk. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like the idea of uh, the, the idea of offering him the bare minimum and just seeing what he does with that. Because yeah. at this point, yeah, <clears throat> that's about, after the season yet, that's about all that he's worth. Now, Again, we know he's better than that. We've seen him be better than that in a Penguins uniform. We've seen him be better than that in a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform. We know he's not that bad of a player. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe this season was just a letdown because he had such the extreme expectations of taking the team over while we had injured players. Mm-hmm. We saw what he did last year in 40 games, which was just which is 30 points, 11, 11 goals and 19 assists. Solid. And he played through an injury as well. So I think we saw his last season and went, okay, he can now duplicate that, be, mm-hmm. be better in a contract year. With guys injured, it's his turn to take the team over, break out, be that, be that player. And then it didn't happen. Yeah. So maybe the expectations were really high, and that's what made, made this season feel like a total letdown. But still, I mean, for what it's worth, you look at 32 points on paper and you say it's not terrible – but you have to remember the role he's given. Yeah, and here's the thing about it. Whenever the Penguins acquired him from the Toronto Maple Leafs, he was essentially a third liner at that point. He had played his way off of the top two lines, away from Matthews, away from Tavares, and he was a third liner. And a lot of Maple Leafs fans are like, you know you just gave us a first-round pick for a third-line guy, and all of our excuses was, yeah, but he has potential to be a better He has potential to be a a second-line guy, potentially even a first-line guy with Crosby, with Malkin. These are guys that have had line mates play better because simply they're playing on that line. And last year, it happened. I mean, 30 points in 40 games was great. 
That's what we wanted to see from Kasperi Kapanen. But this year, in twice as many games, in 79 games as compared to 40 from last season, he scored only two more points and had the same amount of goals. That is a ridiculous regression that he... And it's along the lines of his last two years in, in Toronto. He had 44 points in 78 four years ago, and then he regressed to 60, uh, 36 points in 69 games. Guess what? He's right along the same lines, but even worse with 32 in 79 he, like I said, he cannot be worse than that. And if you bring him back on a contract that goes along with him being a third liner, then it's in a, then you're in a good spot. But if you bring him back and pay him as a, a top six forward and he doesn't do that, that's when it starts to look bad. So if he's willing to do two million or under, I'll even say potentially 2.5. If you sign Kasperi Kapanen for two years, 2.5. I don't, I wouldn't take a big, a big swing on him. Maybe even a one year show me deal like Heinen had last year. I say maybe sign him if it's for the right price and for the right time. I don't think Kasperi Kapanen's really in any position to make any demands at this point. I don't think he's in a great position to negotiate a higher contract at this point. I think if you get him as a third liner for $2 million, you sign him. Otherwise, qualify him. Say if you don't sign that, you're going to be a free agent. That's fine. I agree with you there. So it is it, it lands in the maybe category just because it could go either way. Yeah. And... That's just how it is. It, he sucked this year. There's no if ands or buts about it. Yeah. It had to be better. The expectations may have been high, yeah, but you didn't even meet some of them. So the money should not be where it was, which was mm-hmm. 3.25. It can't be that high again. That's all it is. Yeah. If you get it for, for lower than, much lower than that, absolutely. Sure. See what he can do. Uh, also, just make sure there's no damn clauses on it. and Send him off if yeah. you need to. Yeah, no, you cannot give him a modified or full no trade clause. That's that that would be blasphemy at this point. That would point. be yes. Those only those are only reserved for the high quality guys. And Jeff Carter. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Evan Rodriguez. Let's move on to him and, and move on is exactly what I'm doing with Evan Rodriguez. Listen, he had a career season and no youth player that comes up because I've always talked since the season ended that yes, youth next season, youth next season. I've been crying Valtteri Pustinen. I've been crying Sam Poulin. I've been crying Casper Bjorkvist, Drew O'Connor. Those are the guys I want to see over and ever in Rodriguez. I do know I'm not stupid enough to think that a youth player is going to come up next year and replicate the season that Evan Rodriguez just had. They're not. They're not going to score 18 goals, probably. They're not going to become an integral part of the first power play unit. That's not going to happen. But will Evan Rodriguez duplicate the season Evan Rodriguez just had? I would doubt it. And when you have decisions to make, when you have people you need to just not bring back because you have to make decisions like that, Evan Rodriguez is lower on the list to me than Danton Heinen. He's even lower on the list to me than Kasperi Kapanen. Because I think they're going to come in at the same number. And I'd rather have Kapanen in the bottom six than Evan Rodriguez at this point. So as much as I like Rodriguez, as much as I don't think you're going to get one of those youth pieces to come in and have the season that he just had, I don't think he's going to have the same season either. So I say move on from Erod. I do too. It's just that back half left such a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Yeah. Sure, he picked up the game a little bit in the playoffs. But, ah, man, it's... It hurts. Maybe if, let's say we get out of the first round somehow, somehow, if we had a starting goalie, we're out of the first round. Yeah. Let's say we get out of the first round. Let's say we make it to the third round even. And, and Rodriguez is a decent, not not an integral piece, but a decent part of it. Scoring goals here and there, getting assists, assists here and there, making plays. We look at it a little differently. Mm-hmm. But maybe because that sample size was so small and that back half was just so horrid, yeah. that's it. I mean... I'm still in a middle ground state, but I am leaning toward letting him go just because we need something new. Evan Rodriguez was, wasn't was supposed to make this opening night roster in my eyes until injuries came in. People were going to miss, and all of a sudden he did that. So it was, yeah. he became an integral piece of the organization for the, for the season, but then it fell off. Everything ended for him, and he turned back into a pumpkin where he shouldn't have yeah. been on the, in the lineup. So was the playoffs... Were the playoffs going to look decent for him? Maybe they were going to improve. I mean, five points in seven games is nothing to scoff at. Let's be real. But the fact that it was only seven games and we couldn't make it pass, and his goals were timely. They were good opportunities. It just hurts that it had to end that way. And Mm -hmm. again, like I said, those previous 40 games are not helping. So I'm partial to moving on as well. Yeah, and you said five points in seven games. Three of them came in that game three victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It happens, I've, though. But also, I think a lot of other players step their games up in the playoffs. I mean, look at Jeff Carter's stat line in the postseason. Very, It was very good. A lot of the Pittsburgh Penguins stepped their game up. And again, if they would have had a goalie. If, 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 yeah, if, if, if. That's all we can say at this point. Uh, let's talk about Ricard Raquel. I have him as a maybe sign. I put out an article on Inside the Penguins a couple weeks back that said, should he just be a rental? And I'm leaning towards the fact that I'd love to see him back. Listen, I want to explore him and Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel more like I like I I've wanted to explore anything else before. I really would like to see him back, but when it comes to the cap, it's going to be very difficult. If you cannot bring back a Malkin or a Latang, then it becomes much more reasonable and I think you do sign him. That's why I have it at maybe. If you have the space to do it, then do it. If you can bring him back and fit him under the cap, then do it. But I just don't know if that's going to happen. So I have a maybe sign for him. I think he's going to have to take a discount to come back to the city of Pittsburgh. I don't know if he's willing to do that. He said he would like to come back and play for the Penguins. But would he like it to the point where he takes that discount? I don't know. Uh, So I don't see this getting done, honestly. Because I do think, at the end of the day, that the Penguins are very focused on Latang and Malkin. And somebody that's going to lose out on money and lose out on a contract with the Penguins because of that is going to be Ricard Raquel. So I say maybe assign him if you can, but I, I don't honestly see it getting done, unfortunately. I'd say you can give him up to $4 million. He was only making three seven, three seven eight nine four 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 uh for his last deal, and he's worth about four for sure. It's The the Brian Russ signing threw a wrench into the Ricard Raquel thing, I think. Because... I, think it, I think it helped out. No, you do? All right. Because I was thinking, if you lose Rust, well, you got Raquel right there just to give some of that yeah. money to and go from there. Now you have Rust with a still a team-friendly deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Ricard Raquel is going to make probably less than that, I would assume. Yes. Is that where you're going with uh, it helps? That's why I think it helps. Because if his desire to return to Pittsburgh is as great as he said it was, which, again, you never know. But if it is, say... Brian Russ ends up taking six million. Then a discount for Ricard Raquel is, hey, I'll take five million, which is again similar to Rust. It is a pay increase, but it's not as much as I could have made on the open market. But now that Rust is saying I'll take five point one two five, then Raquel is going to be like, okay, if I want to stay and take a discount, that number is lower, which does help the Penguins in my opinion. But at the end of the day, it would have been much easier to sign Raquel if you didn't sign Rust. But I also think Rust was a higher priority. Yeah, Russ was a higher priority. I think I was just fully ready to move on from Russ, though, just for the sake of uh, money and stuff. I think also, whenever I, like, I say the Russ signing got in the way of re-signing Raquel, that's just personnel-wise. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden you have a, one less uh, roster spot available, and Russ took it, where he, Ricard Raquel could have slipped right in there. You're saying that it helped in a money, in a money situation, which, which, yeah, I totally agree with. It's just a matter of what do they want to do personnel-wise at that point. Mm-hmm. So I'd say you can get them at four. But again, $23 million in space, right? Is that the number we said? It's 23.2 right now. Okay, so you got $23 million in space. Um, you have big guys to worry about, and you have other roster spots to fill out. Uh, f- quickly, $4 million, $4 million might look like a big chunk of change. So... I want to see him back. I really do. I think you have to yeah. resign him just for the sake of watching what he, Crosby, and Gensel can do. Uh, but Rust becomes that stopgap and takes that exact roster spot. So it yeah. gets hairy. I still think you got to resign him, though. I, I'm fully on board with that uh, Ricard Raquel train. Mm-hmm. And boy, you better hope he just doesn't ask for a ton of money because, <laughs> listen, championships and playoff games are not guaranteed in in hockey but money is so there's that yeah and here's the thing with the ricard raquel deal if you sign him you're probably saying goodbye to both heinen and kapanen and some people might be fully okay with that and i get that and to an extent i look at that and i say okay but at another extent it's it's a matter of can you bring these other guys back at the same time, if it's an either-or, it's a tough decision. I'm glad I'm not making it. I would probably still rather side with the Ricard Raquel train and be like, okay, fill out the bottom six with, with the youth, with the Pustinins, with the O'Connors. because and maybe Morgan been fine somewhere. Maybe. Uh, but a guy like Ricard Raquel, if he can't come in under a certain number, then he's not going to come in. And at that point, you probably see Heinen and or Kapanen 
back in the lineup instead. So I say maybe you sign him if the money is right. I'm all I'm still all, all aboard the train. So okay, you're on the you're on the must side. Yeah, I think so. Okay, well let's let's talk about the big guys because we're gonna talk about them extensively throughout the entire offseason. Let's start with Chris Letang. I said move on from both. I believe both him and Malkin. The last time we did this, I can't remember. I know I said move on from Chris Letang because I got roasted for it on the internet. But uh, I am going to say maybe sign, not because of everybody yelling at me, because I don't really care about that. I'm saying maybe you sign him because you are not going to replace him anytime soon. His talent, his ability, what he's done for this team, you're not going to replace him anytime soon. That just isn't going to happen one for one. I believe this this team could ice a defense without him, but it would take multiple moves. They could ice a good defense, I should say. Not just a defense, but a good defense without him. But it's going to take more than just, all right, next man up. You're going to need to do something there. But I also think that right side is very weak. The right side of the Penguins defense without Chris Letang reads John Marino, Chad Ruedel, and then Mark Friedman on his natural side. Mark Friedman's been playing on his off wing since he came to Pittsburgh. Playing playing on the left side. And playing so it would fine. Be, and playing fine. But it would be Marino, Ruedel, Freeman. Compared to the left side, which is still Dumlin, Pedersen, Matheson, Joseph. That's a very weak right side because both Ruedel and Freeman are at their best when they are in the bottom pairing. They're, they're not top four guys. And John Marino is not the type of guy to play top pairing minutes. So that's the issue. Is that you're going to need another top four guy if Latang goes out. And at this point, maybe you just sign Latang, Especially if he's willing to work with you on a deal. I'm saying maybe you sign him. I wouldn't sign him for a ridiculous $9 million, $10 million. I wouldn't even sign him for $8.5 million. But if you can sign Chris Letang for around what he was making or less, you probably should do it. The, the big the big word there is less because it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. He seems pretty hard set on yeah. something starting with seven. which And the other thing, too, is he wants potentially five years which <sighs> is a is a very big very big commitment for a guy that is how old 35 and has had an extensive health history that we don't need to rehash right now listen i love chris letang i do and it, it's been a, a windy road for me to get to the point where i could say that because there was a time where i was as anti chris letang as somebody on twitter but uh you know he's turned it around he's had his best years the last couple of seasons and he's been healthy and that's been the big thing. I mean, knock on wood that he stays that way, but if you can sign him for a good deal, you have to bring him back because without him, this defense, although I could see a possibility where they're, they're okay. It's just, it, you're going to have to do a lot of work to get them there. The, the Chris Tang discussion is so hard because he is impossible to replace. I think yeah. if you lose Chris Tang, if he's gone, you got to rebuild the entire defense. All of them from yeah. the ground up. Maybe Freeman and Ruiz will stick around. Sure, John Marino, I think may just have to become the top guy. I mean, one day it's go- it was going to be his anyway. That day may just be bumped up a year or two. Mm-hmm. Sucks to say, but hey, it, things happen. Maybe Dumoulin sticks around somehow, but hopefully the Cody Cece effect kicks in, and then when you bump him down a line or two, it, there's the it match. Gets better. Yeah, I was talking about this at the office yesterday that maybe that's what needs to happen with Dumoulin there. And P.O. Joseph get has to get into the lineup somewhere. Mm-hmm. That is if you lose Chris Letang, though. You have to rebuild pretty much from the ground up and make the maneuvers, make the switches, make the changes. If you get him back, though, suddenly it's it's other things need to be answered now. There's questions regardless with, with this Chris Letang situation of staying or going. There's going to be hard questions to answer. Um, and most of them revolve around Brian Dumoulin and who has to leave. Uh, so I would say it's, I think also in my head, when it comes to those, th- to the big three, Crystal Tang is the easiest to lose. The, it makes the most sense to lose. I should say. Yeah. Taking just on paper, looking at Crosby, Malk and Latang of those three, you say, yeah, Latang makes the most sense to go play somewhere else mm-hmm. because we also are Pittsburgh Penguin fans and we're ingrained in watching our two top all-star hall of fame forwards since for 2007 their careers. Oh, and I'm talking Lemieux, Yager ears. Yeah. We're always watching our two forwards, whereas our defense has been good. We've had Hall of Fame for- defenders. They're always kind of in and out, though. Yeah. And Paul that Coffey. trend can kind of continue. Paul Coffey, Larry Murphy. Uh, you want to take it back? Uh, Sergey Gonchar was in and out. Yeah, Gonchar. Uh, 
the, de the defenders don't necessarily stick around. We don't have Chris Letang is the all-time defender here. So yeah, it's a little easier to see him go. He's already done his work, and it's just hard. I think I I'm interested in seeing a brand new defense though. I don't know why. Some real sick part of me that is like, let him go. Because I also yeah. think he's going to be the hardest to resign. Because he's going to be hard on that $7 million number and harder on that five years, which boy, oh boy, don't want to do. So I'm going to say, man, get the tissues ready for that return video. And it's game over for Latang in uh, Pittsburgh. It might just be time to accept it. Let's finish this off by talking about Evgeny Malkin because that is clearly the name. I mean, obviously, everybody's talking about, hey, you got Latang and Malkin. But as you just mentioned, Evgeny Malkin's name is a little bit higher on that list when it comes to at least people that have watched this team for 17 years or however long. I have Evgeny Malkin upgraded from a maybe sign to a must sign. I think you have to bring him back for multiple reasons. For one, because you don't have anybody in the lineup that's going to play second line center. I mean, Jeff Carter, I'm thinking of dropping him to fourth line. Teddy Bluger cannot get there. And who are you going to pay in the open market as a second line center to come in? Vinny Trocek? Yeah, I like I like Vinny Trocek. I do. But is Vinny Trocek a point-per-game player? Evgeny Malkin was a point-per-game player coming off of a massive knee surgery. I understand he's older. I understand that he has taken a step back when it comes to speed, when it comes to explosiveness. But this is a guy that has played without consistent wingers. Let's let's not lie about that fact. He hasn't had really consistent wingers. Jason Zucker has not been healthy long enough to get six straight games in a row unless he's play, having to sit on a different stool because he can't physically sit on the player's bench. Ricard Raquel was there for a second and gone. Kasperi Kaplan, we already talked about the season he had. Get him some consistent wingers that are top six wingers. He's already willing to take a pay cut. He was over a point a game with a knee surgery rehab going into next season. If he gets a full off season without injury rehab, surgery rehab, and he gets some pretty good wingers, he's going to be over a point a game next year. And you're not going to get that with all the emotional stuff added to it that you're going to get with Evgeny Malkin. So I say you must sign Evgeny Malkin. I, yeah, I agree. It's the, the Lemieux thing still always sticks in my head. Lemieux said he watched Yager go and he's not going to let that happen again. Sure, he may not have the same say in this organization as he did before, but mm -hmm. uh, you would hope that when Mario Lemieux talks the Penguins, someone around listens. You yeah. would hope. And I'm with you on the must resign just because you're not going to get this forever. Uh, why not end it out the, the correct way? Even if the team is bad, you know what? It, it, that might suck. That might be terrible. Sidney Crosby's not going to let this team be bad, and we know he's yeah. here. Yeah, Evgeny Malkin's not might let this team be bad <laughs> because he might not be great, but at least there's stories to tell. Yeah, again, he's willing to take the pay cut. Five million dollars is a, little, a bit of a pay cut, and yeah. he might be able he might be able to work around that number. You never know because whenever I heard that five million dollar rumor, I thought for Malkin that kind of makes sense. He's he seems willing enough. It still might be a little insulting because we just don't know what he's asking for. We know Latang wants Malkin. We might be able to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and also, even if we do lose Malkin, I feel like we have options. I like the Trocheck idea. Nazem Kadri could step right in there. But Nazem Kadri is going to cost just as much as Evgeny Malkin is going to cost. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I'd say. I don't know. And, and, and can he replicate him. what he did this year? Probably not. I don't know, but I just like I just like the idea. Even if we do resign Malkin, if we're able to get Kadri, hey, you know what? I mean, there. I mean, <laughs> that there seems goes like a little bit of a pipe dream. Yeah, that's I mean, all I, of the cap space. As I there literally goes everyone else we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and my my big pipe dream. I know it's not gonna happen. My big one. I wrote about it. Is uh, if we lose both Malkin and Latang, swing for the fences, guys. Johnny yeah. Goudreau. <laughs> no, I had I, a different. I had a different swing for the fences, but that's you can find on InsideThePenguins.com. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. If if we do yeah. lose both of them, though, this team should should absolutely swing for the fences. Make something some fun out of this. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what they would be reserving time for at that point. Like if 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 you're serious about continuing to contend, you would go after somebody else. But I I do think the best move is still to bring back of getting Malkin. So yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. So let's quickly go through our shoutouts and callouts this week because. Uh, we are obviously going to talk, we talked a little bit long on that discussion, but that's because it's eight guys and we'll see how many of them actually come back. 
But our shout-outs and call-outs, I'm going to lead it off. I'm shouting out Leon Dreisaitl because everybody and their mother is talking about Connor McDavid, as they should. 29 points in the playoffs so far. He, he has tied for first place in the lead, which is ridiculous. But he's tied with Leon Dreisaitl. And if you look at what Dreisaitl is doing on a bad ankle, he has a sprained ankle and he's playing. He looks like he is lugging around his body so slowly and he's in a lot of pain. Now he's looking a lot better as time has gone on because it is slowly healing. But he had 17 points in the second round. Two goals, 15 assists in five games. Like I said, tied for first in the NHL playoffs in points with 29, and he's tied with McDavid. The Oilers currently trail the Colorado Avalanche one game to nothing. Game two is later tonight. But this guy, what he's doing injured is so impressive. I know McDavid, what he's doing is also very impressive. But let's give a little bit more respect to Leon Dreisaitl, please. So gross watching those two. Even if they lose, can we just say, even if they lose, should the should the NHL make an exception on the Conn Smythe conversation? Thirty. No, they're both no. at damn near thirty points, and they're gonna get and get past thirty points and possibly like 15, 16, 17 games. No, because of two reasons. Go ahead. After the first round, Igor Shosturkin has turned into a monster, and. Nathan McKinnon is a freaking monster. Right, and he will still be around. Yes. I just definitely even if they make the if they make the finals and lose, I bet that conversation's still one of them. Because it that might. has happened before. They would be in the building, all of that nonsense that it we might. have literally seen before. But man, this is disgusting. If this series goes to seven and they are and those two are monsters this whole series, do you know how many points they'll have? Like, it's, we don't know. Probably over, like, 50 at that point. It'll be monstrosity stuff, and we don't know what McKinnon will be at. Sure, he may go on to the finals over the Oilers, but still, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. There will be real discussions to be had about all of that, especially if they're in the finals, but oh my goodness. If they make the finals, the names are already getting etched in to the consummate, without doubt. With that win or lose. I mean, I still have doubt in that because there's a lot of old heads in that, that vote for that that'll be like, nah, they lost. But come on, I don't know. Again, we'll we'll have to see. But you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's looking at these numbers. Also, Drysdale is one point behind. But hey, oh, apple, apples and oranges get tonight. That that'll change. Yeah. Um, it's so impressive. It's so damn impressive. Who's your shout out this week, Horwat? I want to shout out the battling. Pittsburgh Pirates. Hey, let's go. You Bucks. guys did what? You they did slap them. I slept through each one, but you guys did what? <laughs> In Los Angeles? Good. You know what? Good. I don't like the Dodgers. That was so much. That's so much fun waking up to every morning. And I'll tell you what. I talked about the Pirates at Pirates Twitter and their memes before. Oh, it's electric. It's an electric factory in the in the uh, pot in the. Uh, Dodgers Twitter responses because Padres fans are also in there getting on them. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. It's electric watching them beat really good teams, very high paying teams. And mm-hmm. that first, the first game of the series, how are you going to sign a guy for a t- 27 million a year? I think I saw the number was, I, had to, I looked it up. Uh, that could also be wrong, but it was around there and he flubs that ball. Man, talk about an overpayment. And I like Freddie Freeman. That's the one downside of us mm-hmm. uh, sweeping the Dodgers. I like Freddie Freeman a lot. <laughs> Well, that was the first time the Pittsburgh Pirates swept the Dodgers in L.A. since 2000. <laughs> I know it was. So 22 stupid. years. So and the stupid. fun thing about the comment section, too, is I saw the Pirates' Twitter page is actually starting to get in on it. Yes! So it's, it's not – the Pirates' Twitter page posted something about what the commentators loved calling your loss and fedoras or something yes! like that. It was it – was, it's the fact that this is a team that right now, if it wasn't for how bad they played against the Reds and the Brewers – they're actually about a 500 team, but it's because they played so poorly against those two teams that they're like 10 or 11 games behind 500. Every game is house money for the Pirates this year. Every yep. game. And don't underestimate a team playing with house money. I'm not saying they're going to ride this into a 500 season. Hell no. It'd be nice. It would be. But it's just fun. I did see a tweet that said uh, they're playing a very bad Diamondbacks team this weekend with three pretty solid pitchers. I think it's like Ronzi uh, and someone else. I can't remember who now. Probably um, Ronzi, Brewbreaker, and Brubaker, yeah. somebody else. And, and they were like, let's ride this in. And I went, let's take a step back for a minute here. It's fun watching this team beat really good teams. Uh, we can't play against bad teams. 
So yeah, let's the Reds are the worst team in the MLB, and they've absolutely swept the floor with the Pirates every time they've played them. Yeah, so. so let's take a step back here and understand what team we're talking about. This Fair is enough. just unfathomable. That's all. Fair enough. Uh, I'm calling out. Let's move over to callouts. I'm calling out people upset about the Avs Oilers series. Game one was eight to six. I've seen a couple people saying, "Wow," and this is what people want the hockey to turn into. This is what people want the NHL to turn into. Okay, it has a high-scoring nature, and I'm sure you would much rather see last two years when the Stars, Habs, and Isles made it up to this point. But that's the thing about the NHL. Different teams play a different style, and it just so happens that this year, all four teams are high-paced, high-scoring, and two of them have really not great defense. Not to say the Avs have horrible defense, because the Avs actually have some really solid defenders, but Edmonton does not. And Edmonton's goaltender in Game 1, Mike Smith, is never good in game one. So who knows how this is going to go. I'm just enjoying the fact that it is very good hockey. Yes, we got similar things in the Eastern Conference, even though it's going to be Vassy versus Shesterkin, and that should be low scoring, even though game one was six to two. But this year just happens to be a couple of high scoring defense optional teams. And I like it. And I think, you know what, next year, you'll see the Dallas Stars maybe go to the conference finals. And guess what? Then you can enjoy your slow paced defense methodical type of hockey that you loved watching the last two years when the Islanders made it the whole way to the Eastern Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup semifinals, if you want to call that last year's. But it's just a matter of the fact that people cannot be happy. That, that's what I'm calling no, it. That's, that's all it is. <clears throat> people can't be happy. They have to be contrarian. I mean, every like the question of, is this what people want to see in hockey? Six to eight games. Yes, actually. That sounds like a ton of... Because you don't think about watching it from your couch. You think... Imagine being there. Imagine being in Colorado watching this. You're hearing your goal horn and goal song eight times. A lot of times for... Let me read the names here. Nathan McKinnon. Miko Rantanen. These guys are just that good that that's how it happens. I would love to stand and cheer for Evgeny Malkin, Crystal Tang, Sidney Crosby eight times. Mm -hmm. Is this where the league wants to go? Yes. And get used to it. Does... Do I also like seeing good goaltending? Yes. But Mike Smith is not a good goalie. I don't know how the hell he's pulling this out. Mm-hmm. Miko Koskinen somehow played a lot better than him last game. Mm-hmm. And then you talk. How, how often do you see all four goalies in a playoff game, by the way? And I get not it was very a, often. I get it was an injury, but still. How often yeah. does that happen? And um, here's the thing, too. The last playoff game I went to in person was a 7 to nothing Penguins win against the Ottawa Senators in 2017. Electric Factory. It was one of the best times i've ever had least stressful playoff game i've ever been to and and yes i do like seeing like i wanted to see every game of that tampa versus new york series be three to two why because that's great goaltending that's some good goals by really talented players but when you look at two rosters the way the oilers and abs are constructed if this happens it makes sense because that's how the teams are constructed that yeah they don't have the best defenses because of how good they are offensively. And when they go head-to-head, that's what's going to happen. If you wanted a team that plays defense, plays well that way, you should have begged the Calgary Flames to play their actual style of play instead of trying to run and gun with the Oilers because we saw what happened then. If you play out of your style, you will get blown out. And that's what happened to Calgary because they played Edmonton's style of play. If Calgary would have played their own style of play, I'm not saying they would have won that series, but it sure as hell would not have ended in five games. What in the foot? This is it, this is a ton of fun watching. I mean, Twitter blows up every time the Western Conference plays. Every other day, it's so much fun reading Twitter, watching this score track, just what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Again, imagine being there. That sounds electric. You said you were at that 7 nothing game. I was at that 7 nothing game. The very next series, the Penguins blew out the uh, Predators in a, in a Stanley Cup Finals game, similar score. I was at that one. It's electric in that building. Every time they do something like that, yeah. imagine being at the... Penguins 11 goal game. Sure, huh. it was against, I forget who it was now. It was the, against Detroit on a matinee on a Sunday. I bet that was a fire fest. <laughs> are you kidding me? Who cares? Yeah. It's so, it's, that's fun. Cause those are the games you talk about. What did I just do? I just brought it up. I just brought up a random Sunday afternoon game against the Red Wings. Why? Because we won 11 to nothing or something Two. like that. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. We blew them out of the water and that's yeah. entertaining hockey that you continue to talk about. We don't talk about the November 13th, Sunday, or Thursday, at 7 o'clock against the, I don't know, the, the Kings the, were on their East Coast trip. I don't know. The Friday night one nothing victory against the Islanders in November? You don't remember that specifically? 
I couldn't tell you who scored the one goal. Yeah, exactly. Hey, but hey, shout big shout out to the shutout of whoever that was, right? It's nah, Tristan but, Jari. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was in, it was November. It was certainly Tristan Jari. Yeah. But that's how this that's how it goes. It's it, yeah. sure maybe it's a little excessive, but who cares? Who yeah. cares? So who are you calling out to close out this show? Uh, whoever the hell decided to remake Winnie the Pooh into a horror movie. Just oh quick. god, yeah. I didn't watch Winnie the Pooh growing up, but uh, I know that that's not how it. That's not what you do, fam. You can do adult versions of things and grown up versions of things for stuff like that. I think it could be interesting. Uh, that wasn't the way, though, and it did spark a great conversation of in the in the office of. So, what movies do you want to like? Child movies, books, TV shows. Do you want to see recreated into horror movies? My first thought was Blue's Clues. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's just a good answer. Uh, other it turns that, into though, a murder mystery. Ex- kind of exactly. Kind yeah. of exactly. I think it'd be interesting. Um, other than that, though, it's also the images were horrifying. Yeah, no, that was just heart attack inducing kind of stuff there. And I understand that a lot of the Disney movies originally were the Grimm's fairy tales, which were not happy, happily ever after happy endings. I get that, but they went to a different level with that Winnie the Pooh thing. I I saw a couple of clips of the trailer and I was like, that's enough for me. Like I didn't watch Winnie the Pooh either, but I know I'm not supposed to be cowering in a corner after seeing anything Winnie the Pooh. That looked very petrifying, but nonetheless, I mean, people will watch it though. And good people on will watch that. it. People but, will wow. watch it. Yeah, I mean, I've personally been watching Stranger Things, and they've gone real horror movie, old school horror movie direction with it. Chef's kiss, perfect. I love season four, and I have to wait till July to see the second half of it, and I'm sad. I still have to watch Shorzy. Same, same. Yeah, we'll have to do that. And then we'll come back maybe on Monday and we'll talk about Shorzy in case something actually happens with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, Pens fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.